Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Mignel, CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, The Flash. Each episode, I bring in a different business leader who's doing some game-changing work. And this episode, of course, is no different. I'm so excited to have Steven Sager, who's the president and CEO of the Hooray Agency. And we're going to find out how he got to be where he is today, his awesome career journey. It's going to be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Steven. Hi, Laura. Wonderful, wonderful to be on with you, and uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's always fun talking to great business leaders who have companies with great sounding names. So we'll get to that in a bit. But uh, the podcast always starts off with the exact same question. So, Stephen, what was your first job? Well, but before I dive into that, let, let me start out by saying uh, Happy Chinese New Year. Uh, it, it, you know, I am I am the father of two half Chinese little girls. So this is a big deal. This week's a big deal. We have uh, red envelopes flying and gifts and food galore. So I just want to express, awesome. to, you your, express to you and your audience uh, a very happy new year, uh, part two. And um, yes, uh, so uh, I started my career uh, when I was five years old. Uh, I, I always start out by saying that because, um, you know, I remember sitting in the boardroom with my father, uh, from I me mean, essentially since the since I could walk. Um, oh, wow. And my father was a traditional uh, businessman, although he he was a um, he started out as an educator. Uh, he was very much um, a disciplinarian, but very business focused, uh, very traditional in terms of his structure and uh, and certainly his uh, his outlook on business was of a of a traditional mindset of, from a, a scholarship perspective. And he was a managing director with New York Life. So he was, um, his office was obviously here in Southern California, but New York Life obviously is from New York and one of the oldest insurance companies uh, in the world. And um, so I started my career um, as basically an intern at New York Life uh, when I was in high school. And, uh, and then I also, uh, during that time, transitioned into audiovisual work. So in high school, I worked for an audiovisual company uh, and moonlighted uh, as, an IV, as an AV guy, uh, while at the same time, I was doing um, insurance support work uh, for my dad's agency, uh, which was a field office in Los Angeles. So uh, I, I guess you could say that was where the, the bridge uh, between my business acumen coming from my father and where my uh, creative expertise sort of was spurred through the, the visual arts and, and managing um, audio and lighting and all that fun stuff. So I was, uh, uh, that, that's, that's where I, that, that's where it all, that's where it all started. Well, you kind of got the entrepreneurial bug and then you also kind of learn what it actually meant to run a real business because you've watched a lot from your dad, which is rare to see where you're like, all right, I can get this from high school and take it with me wherever I go. That's awesome. So what's the story from, okay, working for your dad as an intern till now, what's that career journey been like? Well, it's a it's a short story because I, I've been working. I've been at Hooray Agency for 27 years, and I started when I was and I, I started when I was 19. So, wow. so you have to butt up the story of what I just relayed is how I started my career and how I start and how I jumped into Hooray uh, are, are are almost one and the same, right? So the the transition between 
me being a high schooler to starting off in college and then transitioning into what has essentially been my career path for almost 30 years uh, is is pretty unusual. And certainly yeah. not how did what made you stay? <laughs> what made you stay the whole time? Because that's what you no, know, especially in our industry, folks look, well, oh, I know I'll be here and well, I'll bounce. It, I'll come back. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps when the when the the guy who started the agency is my stepfather. So you know, I jumped from Helpful. father to father. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so I you know what's interesting is um, you know my father is a traditional businessman uh, and my stepfather is a is a dreamer entrepreneur. So uh, I got the best of both worlds, uh, honestly, and and I, I've got to give a lot of credit to to both both parents uh, for um, for for providing me with, with foundation in, in completely different ways. But uh, Nick Singer started the agency uh, in the early 90s. And I basically dropped out of college and joined the, and joined the agency and been with the agency ever since. And I took the mantle of CEO uh, about uh, 10 years ago. Um, but I've been with the agency for, for you know, since I was, uh, since I had a full set of hair and, and now uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I've, I, I've retained my youthful exuberance for the space while having uh, absolutely no hair, being, you know, being, uh, being a bald guy now. But, uh, but yeah, this, <laughs> this has been my path. And you know, what is it? What is it that you learned along the way that you were like, you know, what? There's something really unique about this space, and that's why I want to keep it going. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, you know, you, you you don't get into the agency world um, without um, without a, a, a without a clear understanding that that if if you are not grounded in uh, in in understanding what your clear purpose is, you're you're going to be in trouble. And I think what was interesting for for me is that um, we needed to find purpose. And, and for me as a, as a business leader, but also for me in terms of driving the agency and being, and being a leader, it was important for us to sort of, uh, to create an identity. Um, and, and of course we can talk about the name Hooray and, 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 and the, 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 genesis of the, the genesis of that. But, but ultimately I think it was important for us to, um, to establish a, a clear purpose in the market. And so for us, it was all about how do we apply equal, equal weight between the left and the right brain. And I think that's, you know, ultimately when you look at sort of the, when you look at the agency space, you know, I think it's, it's, it's pretty clear that, that most agencies sort of fall in, in, in a, in a bucket, right? Um, they're either, uh, they're focused on strategy, they're focused on brand, they're focused on digital, they're focused on content. Uh, and I think for us, uh, it was important that we, that we understood our purpose early on. And, and so, I think we, it took, and it takes time to do that, right? That doesn't happen overnight. And so, you know, when, when we started as an agency early on, we were heavily focused on content and we were heavily fo focused on digital, which at the time, we're talking the early 90s, uh, that was pretty uh, revolutionary. I mean, early 90s, we're talking pre, this is pre-Google, right? This is pre-Facebook. So we were, we were starting in a space that was, um, that was completely uh, immature. Uh, and so uh, I think it was important uh, for us to really determine where are we gonna fit in? Uh, and so uh, very quickly, I think we, we recognized that in order for us to be, to find relevancy, in order for us to find uh, strength, uh, we needed to um, 
to have some some expertise. And, and so I really focus the agency's efforts on lifestyle and hospitality. And that's where I think we really got to see significant vertical growth. And it's interesting because, you know, we 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 started off heavily focused on healthcare. Um, so we were doing a lot of work with Allergan, with Johnson & Johnson, uh, with Pfizer, with Beckman Instruments. So that was our early foundation as a company. And, and that made sense for us because we were doing a lot of a lot of production work, right? That was very heavy digital, heavy, uh, heavy animation, heavy content. But as we began to mature, we recognized, look, if we're going to provide a truly, I hate to use this overword, overused word of holistic, but if we really are going to provide a well-rounded approach, we needed to be immersed end to end from the experiential side to the content side, to the digital, and we wanted to wrap that. And we felt that the hospitality industry, which is a sector that our agency is, um, has really um, focused on uh, ex almost exclusively, uh, but we're branching beyond that. I, I think for us, it was very important that we, uh, that we developed um, services and solutions that really grounded um, that industry. And so um, you know, that allowed us to be successful and, and allowed us to really drive a lot of a lot of uh, a, a lot of creativity awesome but also it's fascinating because yeah you were in business pre-google and now we're in the world of tiktok <laughs> and it's and so you've gotten a front seat working with brands uh, as we've ridden this digital revolution in many ways what's one thing you think you know now that you you've kind of been through it you wish you knew um, then that you know now. Uh, you know, I think you have to ask a lot of questions. <laughs> so if I look at myself, you know, if I go back twenty five years, uh, I think you know, if I if I if I mentor any young person, I say ask. You have to be you have to be inquisitive. Um, ask a lot of questions. Uh, be collaborative. Uh, surround yourself with the best. Uh, don't be afraid. Uh, learn to dominate a sector. Um, being a generalist won't get you anywhere. Um, anyone that says I'm great at everything is a liar. Uh, oh, not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so it's you know it's important. I, I think. Look, everyone. Um, people want to work with smart people, but smart people know what they're good at. And uh, so you know. The end of the day, if I were to go back and do it all over again, I would say, you know, I I, I shouldn't be afraid to ask uh, ask questions. I think uh, smart people ask a lot of great questions. Uh, that's what ultimately uncovers potential solutions. That's what uncovers truth. That's what uncovers opportunity. Uh, so that that would be my advice. Awesome. And so you know, uh, I have to ask. How do we get to the name Cray as an agency? Yeah, I mean, it's, look, I, I think, um, as, I, as I mentioned, when we started in the 90s, that we were not Hooray. Uh, we were a different name. I'll, I'll leave the name un, un, unsaid. Uh, we rebranded to Hooray uh, for a few reasons. Um, but but I'll, I'll, look, I'll, I'll get to the core of it, which is, uh, well, I think when you say Hooray, you smile. Right. Uh, I think, yeah. Right. So, you know, look, we're a creative agency. We're, we're an agency that serves clients globally. We're full service. We do a lot of uh, obviously we're creative. Uh, but but I think we, we wanted a name that made you smile and that hopefully made you think about 
a moment that you said hooray, right? In your in your in your career or in terms of your uh, in terms of life moments. Uh, but the challenge with a name like hooray is instinctively clients want to. Right. It, it's sort of like it, it, it all boils down to this idea that it's a moment, right? Because when you say hooray, it's like a moment and we don't want hooray to be a moment, right? So on one hand, it should make you smile. So we came up with a name because we liked it. We thought that it was, it was, it looks, it looks good on paper. It feels good. It's a great adjective. It's a rallying cry, but we also recognize that it can be used as a weapon, right? And it could be also very limiting because if all you expect is to hire an, a great agency and you're, you feel like you're going to wake up every day and have a hooray moment, that isn't the expectation that we want to leave, right? Because, because then it begins to lose impact, right? If every day you're hooray, it, it, it loses something, right? Uh, yeah. No one lives their life in a hooray moment. So really it's about a, it's a, it's really about a long-term philosophy of winning, right? It's about uh, creating hooray moments that are sustainable. And it's also about a way of thinking, right? As I mentioned, the agency world is uh, is filled with a lot of bloat and a lot of BS. And so our idea around hooray is how can we get beyond that? How can we create how can we create a um, this opportunity where someone that's worked either with small shops or big shops, they all have these things where they say, I wish if only they could do this. Great creative agency, but they don't do this. Or great agency, but they uh, are missing this side of the business, or they don't look at things from a, you know, from a 360 degree perspective. And so we wanted it to be like, no, what hooray brings is that not just the hooray moment or that point in time, but again, it's a, it's a philosophy of, of providing a total solution. Right. And so that's where that was the outcropping of hooray. Uh, but look, we, we, you know, the challenge with hooray is, right? Everyone wants a hooray. Um, and the idea that we wanted to create is to say, look, you will have a hooray moment. That's a given. But without, without the sustainability attached, then it, 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 it won't be, it'll only be a hooray for that point in time. It won't be hooray tomorrow. And so we wanted to make sure that we could extend that and create that, uh, that extendability. But that's the genesis of, that's, the long, the long-winded answer to the genesis of Hooray. Awesome, and so you know it's interesting, and, and it's such a, a really great ethos because you know, um, you know, at our agency, we you know our tagline is "Welcome Home," and same kind of premise. Like you're not always going to be smiling about walking, uh, being being happy and healthy as you get welcome into whatever home we're building for you. But you know that kind of core ethos is so key to everything that we do that we're going to keep it going no matter what. Um, similarly aligns with what you guys are doing at over at Hooray. So it's always great to see the, the alignment in terms of the purpose and what the, the agency's uh, conveying. So that's pretty darn cool. Well, uh, so yeah, one of the things that we, that we focus on, I mean, for us, it's, it's not a ta it's, it's more of an internal, uh, uh, you know, a positioning is what we call being impossible to ignore, right? So the idea for us as a rallying cry is not hooray, but but how do, how how can we be impossible to ignore? And and it's not just about creative, right? Because to a certain extent, you think that's about creative, um, creating something that's impossible to ignore, right? But it's more than that. It's about the approach. It's about communications. It's about insights. It's about analytics. It's about creating 
things that aren't just disruptive, but that 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 can be life changing. So um, so yeah, that 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 that's all. Uh, totally agree with you. That's all part of that 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 soup that I think is a is a powerful uh, differentiator for us. Awesome, and so so extremely true, especially now. Speaking of which. So we've all just gone through the toughest year ever for the advertising and marketing industries and brands. Uh, how did you all like figure it out and find your way through? Yeah, great question, Laura. I mean, look, uh, 2020 was a very challenging year. Um, you know, we had to lay off, you know, 20% of our, of our team, uh, unfortunately, and it was brutal. Uh, you know, we had furloughs and we had obviously a start and stop and we had 80% budget declines um, in this, you know, first and second quarter. So the mere fact that what I'm able to talk to you today is, is a testament to the health of our agency and our, and our ability to be nimble. But I'm also reminded of the fact that, that um, you know, past generations had it much, much worse. I mean, we need to keep things in the perspective. We were due for a correction. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very positive person. At the end of the day, we, uh, it was a tough year. We went through a tough year. This year, we have no doubt that this is a we have a fresh beginning, a great foundation for success in 2021 and 2022, as you and I talked about earlier. Um, but but ultimately, uh, you know, the it was brutal, no doubt, uh, from a business perspective. But but I think uh, strong companies uh, remain strong. Uh, weak companies failed because they weren't adaptable and they weren't prepared for the inevitability of, 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 uh, of business declines. I mean, that's inevitable. Business declines are inevitable. Uh, so if you're not prepared for it, then, then shame on you as, as, as a leader. Uh, but I think that what I'm, what, I, what I'm telling all of my clients, same thing that I tell myself, is that you, you have to budget for the unpredictable. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, you, you, you have to, um, to pre-plan uh, for, um, for, for contingency while not having your head in the sand. And what I mean by that is, um, maintain an aggressive posture. And, and so what I, what we've recommended to our clients is now is not the time to cower. Uh, and this is what we said last year. Uh, now is not the time to shut down. Even if you're a hotel, which many of our clients are in the hotel sector, where they were forced to shut down, uh, we, we, we saw that as an opportunity, right? This is an opportunity to engage with your clients in a, in a meaningful way. Uh, it's an opportunity to, um, to assert new positioning. Uh, it's a new opportunity to be courageous and optimistic and to find inspiration. That's what people want. Uh, it's a great opportunity to engage with your customer at an emotional level so that when you are back, uh, you're top of mind. So those are the things that we uh, that we worked really hard on last year, and and the fruits of that for those clients that remained engaged, uh, by far have been the most successful in restarting their business, have been the most successful in maintaining rate integrity and and, and revenue, have been the most successful in uh, in growing their brand equity, uh, e e despite the downturn. Uh, and so all of those same strategies are the same strategies that Hooray leveraged to to uh, to maintain, um, uh, to maintain both a positive trajectory, but also to ensure that we, uh, that we were able to, uh, you know, to stay afloat and to be sustainable and relevant. Uh, and, and that was, um, you know, that was really important for us. 
awesome. And it's a testament to resiliency of like, you know, have a plan for everything because <laughs> you never know what's going to go down, um, especially at this particular moment where we're all kind of like, uh, all right, let's just go for it. Uh, we don't have a choice. Um, but it's cool. It's really cool to see that you guys were able to uh, adapt and and even grow. So now that we've made it through 2020 and it's now we're into 2021, where do you guys see what's what what's on the horizon for for Hooray? Well, uh, you know, our our big launch this year is for a, a new brand uh, that's actually opening in Las Vegas. Which you know, as you can imagine, uh, it's hard enough. Uh, entering in, into one of the most competitive hospitality and entertainment uh, markets in the globe during a great year, let alone opening a new brand in a competitive market during a pandemic, which is precisely what Resorts World is doing this year. They're a, um, a, a, new, a new brand in the United States. They've, they've been around globally for, uh, for over 50 years. They're one of the largest uh, hospitality brands uh, in, uh, in the globe, predominantly on the gaming uh, and entertainment side. So here we are um, in 2021, uh, launching a $4.5 billion uh, integrated resort, which is the largest integrated resort to land on the strip in over a decade. So to say that, uh, that, we, have our, um, that we have our hands full is an understatement. So- <laughs> Time it, time it. <laughs> Yeah, our, our agencies, um, we're, 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 we're swimming in this and in, in a great way. And look, we, we, we have no allusions to the fact that uh, it's going to be uh, very challenging uh, to time the opening, which is slated for the summer of, the, of 2021 this year. Uh, but we believe that, that Resorts World has the potential to be the vanguard of new growth in Vegas. I mean, we, we believe that they have the potential to restart uh, the hospitality rebrand, uh, rebound, not just in Vegas, but to restart the rebound, the, the rebound uh, for all hospitality in the United States. Uh, so it's a it's a tremendous opportunity for the agency. We unfortunately I can't reveal all the things that we have prepared, but we have a major uh, national uh, media campaign that that we'll be launching to coincide with the launch. Uh, all of the brand efforts and integrated. Uh, marketing and advertising efforts will be launched in full coming uh, this spring, and uh, it will be uh, it will be groundbreaking work. So we are uh, we're, we're we're thrilled about it, and we're again I think we're we're optimistic that again the timing of the launch will coincide with vaccinations, will coincide with uh, you know all of this pent up demand. Whether it's whether you want to call it the the emergence of the revenge spending, which everyone's talking about, <laughs> or venture spending, or whatever you want to call it, but look, the the market is yearning to get back to um, to, to to get back to the time where we could have where we could have joy, find joy, where we could find um, emotional stimulation with our friends and family, and Vegas has always been that place. So we think that that we have again we have the opportunity to to really to flip the switch uh, in the you know in, in at a perfect time, and so hopefully, if all the things continue to move in the direction they're moving, uh, we'll be in a position to launch again the, the largest hotel project in the globe, 
to restart the Vegas market and to hopefully, you know, be at the forefront of, of kickstarting what will be a great year for, for the hotel industry. I think we're really optimistic that, that it can happen. Awesome. Yeah, listen, I am optimistic for us turning on the lights again. And there's going to, you know, as everyone says, you know, the last plague was in 1918. And then there was the Roaring Twenties immediately after that. And I think, you know, we're going to have something not akin to the Roaring Twenties because then it ended with the Great Crash in 1929. But I do think that there is this sort of pent up fervor to get back outside and to travel and to uh, just be and have a good time again and just a party. And when I think of some of my favorite memories, obviously Vegas is included, <laughs> that, you know, folks are going to want to be out. But also people who can't afford to are going to have a lot more disposable income because no one on vacation for like a year and a half. So the ability to travel and do new things and be the first at new places that open um, and making those sorts of investments in your own pleasure because after being stuck inside for a year are gonna hopefully yield a huge spike. And so the companies that come out first with something new and cool and awesome are gonna be the ones that win that day. I agree, I mean, you know, and, and you know, look, you, you know, look, look, at, look at LV's earnings um, during, during the pandemic, you know, with, with the exception of their Champagne division, which collapsed because no one was having big parties. I mean, LV, Dior, and Hennessy did did really well. Um, you know, there are. You know, the bottom line is there there there's no such thing as recession-proof industries, but there are recession-proof brands. And I think that that you know, if you do if you do your if you do your work on the brand side, uh, you can create a mode of protection for these downtimes. And, uh, and, and, and great, brand, great brands that have, that have successfully navigated this storm are the ones that connected with their customers mm-hmm. well before the pandemic, maintained that connection with their customers during the pandemic, and aggressively pursued uh, very strong communication strategies throughout and, and focus on the emotional connectivity that their brand needs to have with their customer. And that's precisely what we what, what what we do with our hospitality accounts and our lifestyle accounts. What we certainly did on the healthcare side when we were doing it, but that's going to be a, a cornerstone of success for for Resorts World. Obviously, is new brand has no emotional connectivity, right? So unlike a legacy brand, they've got to create that legacy. Uh, but it will be, uh, you know, they, they, the good news is they have a great foundation, uh, and they have a legacy built on. A, 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 a true international pedigree. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. And certainly it'll be exciting to get people back to travel, which is, uh, you know, I think when you look at the latest stats that I've seen, that's like the number one on the list, right? On uh, on the, uh, on the you know, again, I won't call it revenge spending, I'll call it revenge, revenge adventure. I think that's where everyone <laughs> wants to get back to adventuring. And whether that's travel or whether that's, um, whether that's spending on luxury goods or whether that's, um, just getting on the move and having that, um, you know, having that that drive market um, engagement, uh, it's going to be it's going to be significant. So it'll be exciting for sure. So okay, gotta ask, where do you want to go when once it's safe to travel? For me, that's easy. Um, so I have, you know, as I mentioned, starting out my so my my wife's from Taiwan, 
So, and my mother's Dutch. So I divide my time between the, the, my Eastern side of the family and my Western side of the family. So, <laughs> um, so I, I would probably defer to my wife and say, we get, we have family to visit in, in Taiwan. But uh, if my heart obviously would say, I, I need to visit family in Holland. So that would be, that would be my first choice. Oh, awesome. So, and, and if you haven't looked at pictures of Amsterdam lately, uh, it, 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 they're filled with snow, they're ice skating in the canals. Uh, that's where I want to be. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I've never been to Amsterdam, but uh, I have a client project in Amsterdam we're doing virtually. And I'm like, couldn't I just kind of go? Because it looks awesome. <laughs> uh, you so, would love it. You would love it. It just looks so beautiful and so amazing. Um, but yeah, my, my uh, I have a huge long list of places I want to go to. I, I, I turned 40 last February. And so I had this whole trip that I was supposed to go on in August to Bali for a month. And it went up in flames with everybody else's vacation plans. Uh, so like that's the first place on my list. Uh, the minute it's fully safe to uh, get on planes and, and actually enjoy the experience with them. Uh, so yeah, we all have our, uh, our, uh, our, our adventures that we've got to go on the minute it's safe. Um, but no, it's interesting, you know, you know, navigating all of this, you know, being a leader, you know, being a dad and a husband, you know, what do you do for your self-care? For self-care? Yeah. <laughs> you're like uh uh you know what uh so i love uh to mountain bike so that's my passion uh so i do a lot of a lot of mountain biking here in southern california uh i love being a father honestly so as much time as i can spend being a dad is where where i want to be obviously i work work long hours and unfortunately still do travel i'm actually flying to vegas uh later this afternoon uh, but reading, um, being outdoors, mountain biking, that's, mo that's, that's what keeps me sane. Um, I, I, I love anything to do with the outdoors, love, uh, ex love sports. Uh, so I, I used to be heavily involved in league play basketball, which unfortunately that, you know, with, with the pandemic that went by the wayside. So I, I've got to do my solo mountain biking now, but uh, no, that that's you know that's where I find my my peace for sure. Okay, so two questions on this one: What position did you play with basketball league, and what kind of bike do you have for your mountain bike? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was a I was a shooting guard, uh, and uh, did that for ten years, and uh, and then and then uh, from a mountain bike, I have a I have a Yeti SB one thirty, so that's my uh, that's my pride and joy. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I was power forward, uh, but I haven't played in like years. Uh, and I recently took up biking as part of my pandemic, like thing to keep me sane. And so I got a Cannondale uh, Treadwell. And so it's, it's a Great hybrid man. bike. Great. Uh, yeah. Yep. So it's like a part mountain bike, part city bike. So it's a, it's a hybrid. Um, and so I've taken it everywhere I, I rode up in the Berkshires and then in Manhattan uh and it's it, it, you're right it is sort of definitely gives me my peace when I like get on that bike and like hey well, oh now it's cold and snowing here in New York <laughs> on the summertime it's beautiful um it, it is that sort of great moment of peace to sort of like just like breathe in the fresh air and be one with the bike as, as they would say 
Absolutely. Well, look, and that and that's one of the industries that did, did so well last year. I mean, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure what what it's like in, in you know in in your area, but you couldn't get a bike. Oh no, in California. Uh, you know, even just to get minor tune-ups would take weeks. Um, bike orders were took six to six to eight months or more. Uh, but but that's a you know it's one of those industries that um, that did phenomenally well aftermarket. Outdoor industries did obviously really well, um, but yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I think uh, you know when you look at where the potential is, when you sort of look at how you can project out, I think that that those industries that take advantage of this sort of this, again, sort of this idea that the customer, this this whole revival, this renaissance of local lifestyle outdoors. Um, multi-use. Um, it's a great segment that, I, that again, I think um, has so much potential growth. Um, and the hybrid bike, bike model has obviously been phenomenal. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been fascinating. I mean, yeah, here in New York, it was a nightmare. I mean, I bought two different bikes that never arrived. Uh, and so I finally had to give in and go into the bike stores. And so I just got like in my head one Saturday morning, like I am buying a bike. And so I literally found that there were only six bikes left in New York City under a thousand dollars, and I bought one of them. So there were five after that after that Saturday. Um, and but I think that you, you're right about it because I also see that this isn't going away for a couple of reasons. One, it was not a cheap bike, so the idea that I'm gonna like oh put this away and never use it again, not happening. But two, it also gave me something new to do and a whole other crew. I joined the bike group. I yep. met a bunch of new friends, you know, even though we're all mass. Uh, I got to see parts of New York I hadn't seen before and other like other kind of rural places, which yeah. I would never have normally done. Uh, and I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's opened up your eyes to like these other outdoor sports that you might have thought were not really accessible because you live in big cities. Um, or you think it's cost prohibitive because everything is so expensive. Um, but I think with the advent of like, you had to go outside and find your own way to do something during this crazy pandemic, uh, you know, there's a whole new vertical of fitness that comes out with this and this kind of getting back in touch of nature, which, you know, especially when you're a big city, you can't really do, but you find a way. So I'm excited for what this kind of holds in terms of how this will uh, change markets and, and behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it's one of the, it, it's one of the, one of the great, I think one of the great, uh, if you want to say the silver lining was, you know, for people getting out, getting out and sort of, um, refocusing themselves on what, on, on what's important, right. And, um, your health, uh, you know, the, 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 the simple things of life, right. Which is, you know, your mobility, and health and um, and this idea of um, you know of you know uh, of, of of connectivity right but not at a but not a, you know going back to the analog right I think is has been helpful right we're also cooped up now on zoom calls and uh, you know looking at screens all day long and this idea that that no it like uh, you know that the bike technology has evolved but at the end of the day this idea that no, you can actually get on a bike and you can actually go out and experience life from a completely different perspective and do something healthy and be safe. 
I, I couldn't agree more. It's, a, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's why I'm, I'm so passionate about it. So it's going to be fun to see how it all kind of shakes out. And, you know, that's why it's fun to be in our industry because we you have there's so many new dip, um, twists and turns that we're all going to cover in, you know, in the next year. And, you know, you know, Stephen, it's been great chatting with you. And I have one last question. Do you have a give and or ask of the audience? I'm not sure what the ask would be. Uh... So the examples are um, a give to the, hey, here's your really great book um, that I read that could be awesome. And ask would be like, um, be sure to listen to folks um, when they're talking to you or take time for yourself. It can be anything you want. Yeah, so my give would be, um, you know, in this in this age of over-information, uh, it's good to be informed, but don't be safe. And I think that's, when you look at what it means to be, for those that are good versus great, the, the people that are good are well-informed and they're safe. Those that are great are informed, but they can look beyond that information and see new opportunity and new vision. So um, I, I think to the, uh, the ask for the audience would be quite simply what the way we ended this, which is get outdoors, <laughs> uh, get a bike. Uh, that would be, that would be, that, that, that's my sage advice. No, you're right. And but it's, it's so true on both sides of the house. It's like, listen, you know, you've got to take things one step, like be bold and taking those next steps forward and not, you know, no more playing small ball. If the one thing this year is taught, this past year has taught us all, is like small ball is the suckers. Um, if you want to go for this, you've got to really go for it. Um, and the same joke and get the heck outside. My God, yes. Because <laughs> you've been trapped indoors. Like, Absolutely. So, if you um, want to win, look, you are a power forward. So if you want to win, uh, your shot's going to be easier when you make contact, right? You want to, at the end of the day, you've got to bump your competition and bump them hard. And that'll create the space for you to make the shot. And uh, that's what, you know, that's what everyone needs to do if you want to be successful, particularly in a pandemic. You got to make contact. And uh, so, absolutely. I love that one. And great on the fly basketball analogy, Stephen. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, Stephen, it's been such a great time chatting with you. Um, we'll throw your details in the show notes so folks can check out you and Hooray um, and, what, and some of the awesome work that you all are, have been doing. And uh, yeah, it's been a great time chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Absolutely. Thanks, Laura. And uh, next time we'll do this in person. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. And that is our show.